electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This morning, it is really a tale of two stories in enterprise software. Their Salesforce investors rejoicing that Benioff seems to have turned the Ohana better results, bigger, faster changes than maybe even the activists had hoped. Counterpoint, though, Snowflake and Box, they are getting crushed in today's session. And the culprit for those two are weak outlooks. Snowflake, enterprise darling of the peak 2021 hype cycle, continues to see that top line growth decelerate, even if profitability is improving. Box CEO Aaron Levy spoke directly to market worries, said customers are pulling back against a less certain macro backdrop. Salesforce, by the way, didn't exactly dispel that notion. It is expecting sales growth of just 10 percent this year. And that only narrowly avoids that single-digit territory of the legacy or mature software companies. And neither did the cloud giants earlier this earnings season. As a group, they are one of the best broad gauges of enterprise spend. And these are the latest numbers that you're looking at, but they are all expected to fall further this year, AWS into the teens. So where does that all leave investors as we approach the end of this earnings season? Well, Wall Street may be changing its tune a little bit here, guys, if you look below the surface, looking less for cost-cutting, more for actual top-line growth. Bernstein this morning says, in a world of decelerating growth and negative revisions, investors are keen on re-acceleration stories. Benioff, he certainly hit that tune spot on. Delivering, however, you, as you guys were just talking about, could be tougher, and that's really what Snowflake and Box are suggesting to us this morning. Is there also a model difference, uh, Deidre? And, and Carl's just reminding me that you guys did uh, Cloud Week at one point uh, earlier. Uh, on, in Remember this Cloud hour, Week? Cloud D. Week. And, oh, and yeah. I must have missed it. But, <laughs> but as, as I understand it, Snowflake and, and let's say a CRM have very different models yep. in terms of subscription versus sort of uptake as you go. And so that, that I would think, makes Snowflake's outlook a little bit, yep. you know, conservative on purpose because the, the macro is so uncertain. Important distinction, Snowflake, as well as the hyperscalers, that's Google, Microsoft, and Amazon, or AWS, the cloud unit, these are consumption-based models. So it's very easy for companies to turn them on or off, scale up or scale down. So these are typically the first things to get hit. But Salesforce, let's not forget that I know this is Twitter and it's Elon Musk, but they were able to cut, what, 75% of costs associated with CRM. So that's more of a seat-based model, subscription-based. Um, and those are getting hit as well. And I think it's all part of this big macro picture. Where can companies cut? Maybe it'll take a little bit longer to cut those subscription-based models in terms of enterprise spend. But does that just mean that that's another shoe to drop? And when you look at a CRM, I mean, growth used to be the story now it's cost-cutting, and yes, maybe a reacceleration story, but 10% growth, that's not the sales force that we've seen of the last few years. No, sure, certainly not. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, the, the push and pull is often, at least this morning, been reflected through the lens of Okta and the guidance mm -hmm. they gave. What, what accounts for that split, the, the things we're seeing narratively through uh, the eyes of a snow versus an Okta? I think that's a good question. And Okta has had a really tough go, like a lot of these names over the last few years. But really, this was an integration story as well, right? Remember, they had that acquisition. 
And uh, the CEO came on and told us on Tech Check that they were having troubles. He's very candid, integrating that team into their own. So, again, when we talk about this shift that investors are looking for, maybe not just cost savings, but a reacceleration story, this is where Okta plays in. And so it's up 8% after those earnings. And, again, it's coming from a very, very low base. But investors, it was so beaten down, they're starting to get somewhat excited once again about some of these names. So let's take a step back and look at the earnings season as a whole. On the surface, it's all about cost-cutting efficiency, the bottom line. But the quality of those earnings, especially in tech, that could require a little bit of digging for savvy investors. So look at a couple of today's movers, by the way. Salesforce and Snowflake investors, they're certainly excited about Benioff's newfound religion on profitability, but that's going to take time on a gap basis. Salesforce still lost $0.10 per share. And as for Snowflake's, investors... You can't tell by the share price, but they did like the better unit economics. The company, though, is still racking up more than $800 million in net losses over the last 12 months on slower revenue growth. Of course, that long-term story in tech is that the best companies are disruptive, so the payoff may take longer. But that patience could be tested at some of the newer names where cash burn is hitting unprecedented levels. Take Rivian, as Kelly pointed to. Sure, it's investing for its future, but free cash flow for 2022 was a negative $6.4 billion. Lucid? burned through $3.3 billion last year. That's about as bad as it gets in tech. Netflix's worst free cash flow number was negative $3.1 billion back in 2019. Uber's, as a public company, was $4.8 billion the same year. And for sure, you could point to the fact that Tesla had more than a decade of free cash flow burn. It's now more profitable than any other automaker, but that was during an era of easy money. The newer players are going to have to build, perhaps raise more money against a backdrop of higher interest rates. Now, outside the world of EVs, earnings and cash burn could be improving this season, but losses also may be more difficult to spot as companies put the focus on unit economics, adjusted EBITDA. There are signs, though, Kelly, that the SEC is starting to scrutinize, asking companies, including Lyft and Sleep Number, to clarify non-GAAP measures in their presentations. And some investors even take issue with that free cash flow number. And what, yeah, what, what do the companies do in that case, you think? What do they do in terms of are they cutting have their losses? To, well, more just if people are saying, we don't really want to look at these numbers the way you want to present them, uh, do they ultimately give up the ghost? Well, they're punished in stock price. I think that investors are smart. They know how to look through it. You take a look at some of the gig companies like Uber and Lyft and DoorDash, and they haven't done particularly well as public companies because they may be saying, look at adjusted EBITDA, but the market's looking at net losses. Um, that may be changing, though. I mean, free cash flow, take an example like Uber. Yes, they've actually increased that free cash flow. So it's been doing much better in the market versus, say, a Lyft. But again, someone like Jim Chanos would say that free cash flow takes away stock-based compensation, and that's something really important to look at. So I think maybe the bottom line is that it's difficult, especially in tech. You have to figure out which metrics you want to look at. Unit economics is not a bad one, but you just got to know what you're looking at. Great point. Deirdre, thank you so much. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 